Hi there, and welcome back to the SMB Cybercast podcast, where it's all about helping small and medium enterprises and IT professionals learn cybersecurity, improve their defenses, and prevent breaches. If you want to take the security of your organization to the next level, then this is the right place for you. Welcome, and thanks for listening. This show is sponsored by CyberX. CyberX is a cybersecurity agency that specializes in the needs of small and medium enterprises. We believe that everyone is at the risk of attack these days, and that's obvious from the increase in attacks across the board. So if your company needs help with compliance, security, managed security operations, penetration testing, vulnerability management, or any other security need, feel free to reach out to us. You can send us a message at cyberx.tech slash contact. That's cyberx.tech. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. We have another spectacular episode today. Uh, Heads up, our co-host is sick, so we are going to be doing this one alone. So for today's podcast, we're going to be talking about some of the attacks that your organization should be preparing for in 2020. To start up a new year. And everyone's talking about New Year's resolutions. I think I've probably seen a New Year's resolution on LinkedIn and Twitter for just about everything you can think of in the last few weeks. So we're going to talk about some New Year's resolutions for cybersecurity. What are some things that you should be preparing to implement so that your organization is able to withstand an attack and prosper and continue business should you face an attack? So we've talked about it many, many times on the podcast. It's not anything new. But one of the primary ways that attackers can get into your network is phishing. And that's something your organization should be prepared for. It's computer manufacturers and operating systems providers. All of these um, organizations, they have really began improving, remediating, and getting rid of vulnerabilities in their systems. Because of this, just flat out, say, hacking a router or hacking a network switch has become so complicated that Many attackers opt out for the simpler method. Why not hack the human? It's so much simpler. It's the path of least resistance. And today, most of the time, the weakest path, the simplest way into an organization is the humans that are in that organization. When we do a social engineering engagement, we have between 40 and 50% click rates most of the time. We have 100% success rates that we get user credentials on a phishing test. Why? Because humans are the weakest link in your organization. And you know, like what we always say, they are also your strongest link. They can be your eyes and ears for your organization. Um, your users can be the ones who notify you, hey, I saw something funny happening or this funny thing happened or I got this odd call and then it can alert you to something going on within your network. Now, there's many reasons that phishing is becoming one of the main attacking points or attacking methods on organizations these days. You know the statistics. We've talked about it before. According to Note Before, around 97% of cyber attacks involve phishing or social engineering of some form. We've talked about that many times. But there's also another change that, in my opinion, has contributed to this. You might disagree. Um, Feel free to let us know. I'd like to hear your thoughts on this. But over the past 15, maybe 15 or less years, We've seen a huge increase in SaaS, um, software as a service. Um, These are things like Office 365, Salesforce, whereas traditionally, 
the organization would have to buy the software. They'd have to set up the database on their own network and use the software on premises for on-prem software. Now we see this, this whole model changing where everything's going to the cloud. Organizations place more of their data in the cloud than they do on-prems a lot of times nowadays. And that's because SaaS has made these systems and these solutions so cheap in the cloud. We use Office 365 for our emails, for writing Word documents, Excel, the list goes on. And when you think about it, how do you access these accounts? With a username and password. And this has led, in my opinion, to people being a little less careful giving out usernames and passwords because they do it every day. It's a normal thing to them. And so my personal opinion is I think this has probably contributed to the rise we see in phishing um, because everything we do requires a username and password. So it's not as abnormal for us to be, quote unquote, giving out our username and passwords as it was 20, 25, 30 years ago. So say 30 years ago, you wanted to get to your CRM your where your data uh, customer data stored, you had to VPN onto the network and then you had to access the this, this solution or the software. Not anymore. You just go to a page and you log in and it's so easy to trick you with that nowadays. So when preparing for phishing attacks, they come in many, many forms, but in its simplest form, a phishing attack is a cybersecurity attack in which an attacker tries to deceive someone or a group of people into doing something that is detrimental to that company's well-being. That might be giving up information, that might be taking an action. It doesn't necessarily matter what it is, but the point is that they are trying to get them to perform an action detrimental. And maybe this is a better definition for social engineering. That's what it is. And a lot of phishing, usually they're trying to get credentials or get you to click a link or something. And attackers have become very, very clever over the last few years. I've seen some staggeringly well-done phishing attacks over the last few months alone that could almost, almost could have fooled me. So how do we get ready to prevent phishing attacks? And I'm sure you know the answer. It's security awareness training. No cybersecurity program is complete without security awareness training. And like we've said before on the podcast, um, like we've said before on uh, articles or on videos, I think that for small and medium organizations, security awareness training should probably be one of your first security controls. Sure, you get the basics in place, get a firewall put in place. But before you start setting up intrusion detection systems and log analysis and all of that, get a security awareness training in place because your employees can be your greatest assets for your security program. Like we said already, they can give you an early warning when something's going on, they see something, and that can get you aware of what's actually happening. So we've partnered with an organization that provides amazing security awareness training, and that organization is Wiser Training. We'll provide a link in the show notes where you can get a discount if you want to try it out. But one of the issues with security awareness training is some organizations do annual security awareness training, and that really does not cut it. So let's think about when you were in school. Did you do annual multiplication study? Or did you do an annual addition table study? No, you studied it every day, right? The repetition, it was in front of you all the time, and that's how you learn. And that's how your employees at your organization are gonna learn. They're not gonna learn by taking an annual security awareness luncheon that they're falling asleep during most of the time. It needs to be in front of them every day so that they constantly think about it. When the people at your organization are constantly aware of security, 
that's when you know you've you're reaching a mature security posture because it's always in front of them. They're aware of it. And the issue when you do an annual presentation, it's probably 45 minutes to an hour, hopefully not longer. But how long do you really have their attention for? The first five minutes, maybe the first three minutes. Some analytics and studies on YouTube recently have proven that you have the first 15 seconds to get their attention. And the overall attention span of people is decreasing drastically. They've got phones in their hands. They're looking at Twitter. They're looking at Facebook. They're looking at social media, emails, all these things all the time. And you don't have their attention for very long. And that's what Wiser Training does so nicely. All of their training videos are less than three minutes. Most of them are under a minute and a half. And in that minute and a half, they take complex cybersecurity issues and they break them down into bite-sized pieces that anybody can understand and give you actionable advice that you can take away. And you know what's even better? The entire solution is completely free. You can build a complete security awareness training program for free. Now, there is a paid upgrade version where you get things like phishing email templates um, that you can send out and um, gamification and a bunch of other great add-ons. But those are on the paid option. Using their free tier, you can build a completely free effective cybersecurity program for your organization. So check out the link in our show notes so you can get a free security program started and you can get a discount if you're going to use the paid tier. All right. So another security control that can be implemented to help with phishing is multi-factor authentication. Now, multi-factor authentication is not the answer. We are regularly able to bypass MFA on penetration test. I just have to social engineer the user and they will give me their code but it is a way to stop some attackers. And it's gonna take a pretty determined attacker to decide to try to bypass multi-factor authentication. Now, even with multi-factor authentication, using something like a key fob that has to actually be plugged in is much, much more secure than using a token that gets sent via SMS or some kind of time token that changes every 30 seconds. Um, using a device that actually has to plug in is a much more secure method because the uh, attacker can't give you to give them that code. You actually have to plug it in. But there are some issues that come with the complexity of that, of course. But implementing multi-factor authentication is something you should do, especially on anything that's public facing. If you're using um, public email portals or Office 365 portals, be sure you have multi-factor authentication turned on and be sure that all of your employees have multi-factor authentication turned on. My general opinion, is if it has MFA available, turn it on. If it doesn't have MFA available, complain and ask them to make it available. All right, so the second type of cybersecurity attack that organizations need to prepare for in 2020 is ransomware. I think it's obvious from all of the news headlines that we've seen over the past several years how rampant and prevalent ransomware has become. It's really actually gotten out of hand. And in fact, um, Trend Micro did a study. Um, Trend Micro is an antivirus provider, um, like many. They did a study and found that there was a 77% increase in ransomware in 2019 versus 2018. And there were some interesting parts of the study. We In 2018, we kind of saw a lull in ransomware. I'm not saying it quit, but there was it's drastically decreased. And that lull sort of matched an explosion in the value of cryptocurrency. And what they were saying was during 2018, we saw a huge rise in the value of cryptocurrency and attackers found it more profitable to use crypto jacking. 
crypto mining, which we'll talk about later. And they sort of ditched ransomware for 20, a little bit in 2018. Then once the cryptocurrency market sort of began declining again, we see it, saw an increase of ransomware. And just in case you're not familiar, let's explain what ransomware is. Um, ransomware is just another type of malware. And what it does is it the attacker spreads that malware through a network on as many devices as they can get access to. And the malware encrypts the files on your systems and it demands you to make a payment to get access to the decryption key so that you can get your files back. There's been ransomware or there are ransomware strains that simply encrypt files on a computer. And there's other ransomware strains that encrypt your whole hard drive so you can't boot, you can't do anything. Of course, you can see the big impact the latter would have if your entire hard drive and operating system are encrypted. And these attacks can be devastating for organizations. Um, in the last year, 2019, we saw huge ransomware demands, um, millions and millions of dollars. And we we saw huge ransoms paid to the attackers. So when we look at ransomware trends, uh, we saw some alarming things happening in 2019 that you should be prepared for and be thinking about in 2020. One trend that has become sort of controversial, I'm not really going to take a side in this episode, is that more organizations have been paying ransomware payments to retrieve their data. Now, there's two sides of the argument, of course. Pay it, get your files, and don't pay it because it funds the attacker's infrastructure. And there's definitely merit to both sides, depending on the case in the organization. But even better than both of them is secure your system so you don't get ransomware. So part of the reasoning, believe that more organizations are paying it, is because more organizations are getting cyber insurance and the insurers are um, simply suggesting that they pay the ransom. And that's what they're advising. So as this argument has been unfolding, we've seen ransomware really, really progressing. The stakes have become much higher. Um, they're going after bigger organizations, taking out huge networks, demanding huge ransom payments. And one ransomware group, we can call them GANCRAB. Uh, they were one of the worst ransomware strains in 2019. They're a great example of this. They earned over $2 billion on ransomware. And this is how they operated. They had an affiliate program. There were the developers who originally created the ransomware. And these developers sold the ransomware to lower tier individuals. These individuals were given tutorials and methods how to deploy this ransomware, how to get into organizations to spread it. And all they had to do was pay a commission of everything they made. And the Gang Crab organization, they made over $2 billion doing that. They claimed to have retired after they made that $2 billion. I sort of doubt it. I'm sure they're doing other things, but that's what they said. So historically, we've seen social engineering play a huge part in how ransomware is deployed. So if they can get you to click a link in an email, uh, run a macro in a Word or Excel document, something of that nature. So again, user awareness training is very important in preventing ransomware. But some other things you can do. First of all, keep your software updated. We were at a meeting probably about a year ago now. It was a uh, security meeting held by the FBI, they were hosting it. And one of the FBI investigators was talking about patch management. And his point was they have tracked cyber criminals and cyber criminals, when Microsoft releases an update, they take that update and they reverse engineer it. And within 48 hours, they know exactly what was fixed in the update 
And they also have an exploit to attack that vulnerability that was remediated by Microsoft. So what can you do? Patch often. When you get updates, apply them. Now, of course, it's always a good idea to test the updates on a test system before rolling out rolling them out organization-wide because there has been a history of updates causing problems. But do that as quick as you can. Within a week or two, have those updates applied to your organization. Another thing you can do, this is going to more help with the after the effect if you get ransomware, is having proper backups in place. Many organizations make the mistake. They believe they have backups. They get some cloud provider. There's many of them. And they have a complete backup in place. Now, what they fail to realize is your organization has how much data? Probably a couple terabytes at least. So let's take a scenario. You've got 10 terabytes of data that's backed up to the cloud. Now, your organization gets ransomware. And all of that data is lost. So what do you do? You have to restore your backup from the cloud. And how long is that going to take? Probably weeks. So here's the some guidance out in the industry is to use a 3-2-1 methodology. You have three backups, two offsite, one onsite. Have an onsite backup that everything gets backed up to onsite. And then have two offsite backups. Now, there are certain backup vendors or providers who offer hard drive shipments. So say, say all of your data is lost and you need to restore, they will actually ship you a physical hard drive within a couple of days with all of that data on it. You can download your data and send them the hard drive back and there's no extra charge to you. And that will greatly speed up the process of restoring your data. So if you do have backups in place, be sure that your cloud backup provider has that service where they will send you hard drives should you need them. And if your managed service provider is handling this for you, be sure that you ask questions about what a backup process is going to look like. How long will that take? And again, like we said, train your employees to spot phishing, spear phishing, other types of social engineering attacks. That can really be a lifesaver for you and your company. Okay, the third type of attack that you should prepare for in 2020, crypto jacking. So for the last few years, one of the or the most common methods for uh, cyber attacks have alternated between ransomware and crypto jacking. And we started talking about this earlier, but when crypto jacking is higher than ransomware or when crypto jacking is high is usually when the value of cryptocurrency is high. So three, four years ago when Bitcurrency boomed and it was worth so much money, crypto jacking boomed also because attackers could get so much money from it. So crypto jacking, in case you're not familiar with it, is a type of cyber attack. Some people say it's malware, some people say it's not. It's definitely an unwanted use of your machines and your resources. And it's a cyber attack in which the attackers use victims, computers, or machines to mine cryptocurrency from them. And I'm no cryptocurrency expert, so this is gonna be my super dumbed down explanation, but essentially people have to mine cryptocurrency. They, The crypto money, is made by computers doing what's called mining cryptocurrency. They are performing complex calculations that do the encryption or decryption. And that's how the cryptocurrency is generated. If you want a better understanding, go look it up. So anyhow, they use your computers and they harness your power from your computer to do this mining for them. 
because it's very um, GPU intensive. Even when we're on a pen test, say, and we're trying to crack hashes or something from passwords, it uses a lot of processing power. And so the more people they can attack, the more processing power they can harness and put together and make a pretty decent crypto mining rig, but it's delivered to you maliciously. Um, you didn't approve of it. And one of the reasons that attackers like crypto jacking is it's pretty low risk and low key. So if you think about it with ransomware, it's sort of a, I guess you could say in your face, a malware attack. Um, when it happens, you know it happens and you're going to fix it. But, and it causes a lot of emotion. It's very stressful for the organizations. It causes news headlines. And then the governments come and they try to crack down on these ransomware distributors, creators, etc. Just a bad flow overall. It's definitely not terrible. It's sort of low risk, but it's a lot higher risk than crypto jacking. And so we have seen some attackers morph to the crypto jacking instead because it's a lot lower key. It can go on unnoticed for a lot longer of an amount of time. So what can you do to prevent crypto jacking attacks? For the most part, just a couple things will keep you pretty well secure. First of all, is install an ad blocker. A lot of crypto mining malware has been delivered through ads. So installing an ad blocker to prevent those can help. Second thing you can do is keep all of your operating systems, your software up to date, like we said before. And finally, block IP addresses and URLs of known crypto jacking sites. You can find lists of what you should blacklist, crypto jacking blacklist. You just Google it, you'll find lists. Keep up to date with those. There's other places where you can get daily updates from Recorded Future, any of those types of organizations that will actually give you updates on IP addresses that have been found to be malicious that you can block. And finally, educate your users the signs of an infection so that they can find it quicker. Computers slowing down, things taking much longer to complete than they should, those kinds of signs. All right, we are moving right along. Let's talk about the next type of cyber attacks that your small business should be prepared for. And that is online skimming. And if you're familiar with skimming, physical skimming, it's been around for quite a while, but online skimming is a sort of new type of attack um, that we've seen within really the last couple years at the most. Um, say, I think it was 2018 when we saw the first major skimming attack. And we've seen it a few times since then. But physical skimming, um, as you probably already know, um, the criminals place little implants. Um, when you go to the gas station and you slide your card in there, or you go to the ATM, you slide your card in, the attackers place these little implants right inside of there, and it copies your card data as you scan. Sometimes they would pair these with a camera hidden up above somewhere so they could see you put your pin in, so they could get that also, and they could harvest that data and sell it on the dark web or something. Online skimming is essentially the digital version of this. And if your organization has any carts, any kind of selling online, it's something you should be aware of. So what digital skimming does is the attackers put this tiny script somewhere on your website. They do have to get an initial foothold onto your website. Um, say they fish you to get admin access to your website backend, or they hack into your website somehow, find a vulnerability, something not patched. They get into your website and they place these scripts on the cart page. These could be JavaScript. They're typically very, very short. Um, I think I saw that one of these um, skimming scripts was like less than 14 lines of code. 
And it's all it would do is it would listen for the user to submit their payment information, hit that submit button, move on to the next phase of the cart. And all of that data would be copied and sent to another server. And they stole hundreds of thousands of credit cards from Newegg, British Airways. And there were several of these attacks over the last couple of years that we've seen these digital skimming um, attacks. So what can you do to prevent digital skimming? And the real way to keep your website safe from digital skimming is to secure it and limit domain to domain communication. So prevent your website from talking to other domains. The attackers use their script, sends that data to another website. Sure, theoretically, they could probably store that somewhere on your server and come retrieve it. For the most part, we've seen them talk to another server. So limit that domain to domain communication should stop a lot of these kinds of attacks. And then just be vigilant, keep everything up to date, multi-factor authentication so you can't be phished or social engineered. And that's really what you should do to prevent online skimming on your sites. All right, the final type of attack we're gonna talk about is one that I love. We use them a lot on penetration tests. This has become a very, very effective way to attack organizations, and that is fileless malware attacks. Some people call this living off the land because the attackers are essentially, these fileless attacks are using Microsoft services and systems to attack the organization. These are things that are built into Microsoft or built into the software. And it's something that you should take very, very seriously because it is really becoming the way that attacks are happening nowadays. So over the last few years, we've seen this type of attack become much more mainstream, probably even more than just regular malware. And they've been used in a lot of commercial attacks. And like I said, having that been that we've done pen testing ourselves, I'll tell you, it's not easy to evade antivirus and anti-malware software. Sure, there are ways around them, and there are ways to evade them, but it's not easy. And that's when fileless malware comes into place. So what fileless malware is, is the attackers use software and scripts that are already installed on a computer, and they use that to cause a negative impact to those same devices. So for an example, PowerShell. PowerShell is a command line interface that comes with Windows that is a very, very powerful. Side note, if you're not using PowerShell, turn it off. If you're using Active Directory, go into your settings and turn off PowerShell for anyone who's not an admin. That can stop those some of those attacks from getting off the ground. But using PowerShell, we can perform devastating attacks to a network. We can spread ransomware. We can pivot to servers. We can get credentials. We can pull password hashes off of computers. There's so much we can do with PowerShell. And this is just one of the tools on Windows. There are many services that can be used to elevate privileges it can be used to steal data. Another common way this is done is office macros in Excel and in Word. We just did a recent pen test where we used an office, a Word macro, to spawn a command and control communication to our command and control server. It went right past um, their security system. They didn't even detect it. And we had command and control remotely. PDF viewers have been also used for this. And stopping these kinds of attacks requires a lot more than just a traditional antivirus. Antivirus, they're looking at files on your systems, the hashes, et cetera, et cetera, and they're comparing that to known bad. To stop these fileless malware attacks, you really need a next generation antivirus, a next generation endpoint 
Detection and Remediation Solution, EDR, they're commonly abbreviated. And these systems, they use a combination of machine learning and behavioral analysis to detect next generation attacks like fileless malware. And they essentially learn what's normal for your users, and then they can detect what's abnormal. And because they are using machine learning and AI to train themselves, they have become very, very smart in detecting these kinds of attacks. So for example, I heard of an organization that did implement one of these EDRs and they broke their users into two categories. There were users who were tech savvy and users who were not tech savvy. And that's what their whole model was based on. Tech savvy users with no commands like ipconfig, pinging an IP address, et cetera. Non-tech savvy users were not. And when the penetration tester or the testing organization came in to do their pen test, first thing they did, the system found them, caught them, sent an alarm to the security operation team, and they caught them. And this was one of the best pen testing teams. And the reason they found them, they simply typed ipconfig in a command prompt to find the address of a computer on a user who was grouped into this non-tech savvy person in this non-tech savvy group. And because of that, it found them very, very quickly. And that's the beauty of these EDRs, these endpoint detection and remediation solutions, is they will detect these attacks and automatically remediate them. And when you pair this with some of these next generation firewalls, next generation endpoint, you can really get some really nice security where when your firewall is talking to your endpoints, seeing getting a holistic view of what's happening and when something a malicious starts happening on an endpoint, the firewall can isolate them. That gets into a whole other topic, zero trust and that whole architecture, but it can really, really be an effective tool for preventing these fileless malware attacks. And it's something you should really think about. Traditional antivirus just does not do it anymore. Uh, the attacks are not traditional. There are next generation attacks happening. We need next generation endpoint protection for them. So before we wrap up, let's quickly recap what we've talked about. We've been talking about some of the most common attacks that your organization needs to be ready for in 2020. We talked about phishing, how phishing is becoming more prevalent. The great majority of cyber attacks involve phishing. We talked about training your users, how this needs to be in front of them. We talked about wiser training. Again, there's a link in the show notes. If you wanna go check them out, check out the link. They're a great training company. You need to keep this training in front of your employees monthly at the absolute most distance, weekly. Keep it constantly in front of them so they're aware of it. Um, then we talked about ransomware. Ransomware is on the rise in 2019. All the statistics are showing it. All the cost of a data breach, data breach statistics, et cetera, all these reports that came out at the end of the year, they all said ransomware is going to be out of hand this year. You've got to get your systems ready. Multi-factor authentication in place to re for remote access. Turn off RDP externally severely, severely limit remote access onto your systems. Network segmentation. Begin micro-segmenting your network. So even if you do get ransomware, it only spreads to a segment. You can contain it. These are all things you should be doing to prepare for 2020, keeping your systems up to date. And then we talked about crypto jacking. Crypto jacking, it might be on the rise in 2020. We might see a decrease as ransomware goes up. But crypto jacking, they're going to use your resources to make them money. And it's gonna hurt your production. It's gonna make things slower. Keep your systems up to date, get ad blockers, get ready for crypto jacking. Then we talked about online skimming. And that's an attack that's becoming more and more prevalent. Be sure that your websites are secured. Be sure that um, you're monitoring them. Have someone 
who knows web security monitor your website and prevent domain to domain communication. Those few things can stop a lot of skimming attacks from happening. And then we talked about fileless malware attacks. These are the next generation attacks that are actually using Windows or whatever operating system you use. They're using the tools on those systems to attack them. Um, we talked about PowerShell. If you don't need PowerShell, turn it off. Limit what users can do in command line prompt. When we go on a pen test, we can pretty much pull every Active Directory user from a command prompt. Start limiting what your users can do. Limit the commands they are allowed to run, and you can stop them from pivoting throughout your network. So these are just five tacks you can get ready for. I like to talk about the 80-20. You know the principle, but what are the 20% of things you can do that make 80% of the difference? And I believe these five things are those 20%. Get ready for these five things in 2020, and you will prevent 80% of the attacks on your organization. So that wraps up this episode. Take action. Get ready for 2020. We'll see you next time. And that's the SMB Cybercast podcast. Thank you again for listening. Please check out our other white papers, roadmaps, and webcasts at www.cyberx.tech slash resources and our blog at www cyberx.tech/blog. We have lots of guides and roadmaps to help you improve your cybersecurity program. Go check us out, and we'll see you next episode.